Prevail. C'est cette Geneva programme pro politico. L'histoire, la sécurité nationale. Crimen organisado, dinero sucio. Global corruption. Ta brotpou, sa démocratie. Et ahora, ATP. Et maintenant, comme ustedes, su anfitrion. Welcome back to the fight. This time I know our side will win. I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show. Cliff Schechter is here. Not only is Cliff here, he's here for a very special reason. I asked him to come on today because today, June 9th, 2023, is the seven-year anniversary of the meeting at Trump Tower with Junior, Kushner, Manafort, Natalia Veselnitskaya, and other Russian-aligned proxies. Seven years ago, that happened. And I looked at the calendar and I saw that this was falling on a Friday, and I thought, I have, a, I have to talk about this. Not only do I have to talk about it, I want to talk about it for the entire show. I want to do a special kind of thing that I don't usually do, which is devote an entire show to one specific historical event and see what comes out of it. And what comes out of it is that I learned some stuff, or things were made more clear to me that I maybe didn't realize before. Very grateful to Cliff and that I asked him to come on because... I haven't known him for seven years. You know, I, I've known him for less than that. So I wasn't sure what he was up to in 2016. And his world, certainly at that time, was very, very different than mine. He was, you know, well connected into the political scene and knows some of the people. And um, it was really interesting to hear his insight and his take on some of the stuff. So uh, I think he added a lot of background and context that uh, complements the context that I was able to add. So very grateful uh, to Cliff for coming on. One thing that did pop out at me, and this is why I do these things. I like to go back and reread and rehash and review and see if there's anything that we can learn. And here's something that came clear to me. And I knew this at the time, but I think in hindsight, it's even more important. On June 9th, 2016, seven years ago today, at four o'clock in the afternoon, there was this meeting. The meeting lasts for 20 minutes. Okay, so it's over by 420. Um, I'm sure Elon Musk would find that very amusing. At 440, Donald Trump, not Donald Trump Jr., Donald Trump, Donald Trump, the presidential candidate, Donald Trump, for the first time, tweets out a reference to Hillary Clinton's missing emails. So, Four o'clock is the meeting at which they were promised dirt on Hillary Clinton. 4.40, Donald Trump tweets out the tweet about the missing emails for the first time. This introduces the concept of the missing emails into the discourse. Before this, no one has talked about it because it hasn't been a thing. Now, I don't know if you were around in 2016 or if you remember, but the emails thing kind of became a big deal. There were certain newspapers that might remain nameless, but rhyme with uh, Lou Fork Dimes that might have made a big fucking deal about the missing emails. And, you know, Jim Comey certainly thought it was a big story. So there are lots and lots of factors that contributed to Trump's quote unquote victory in 2016. But the email narrative, that story about the missing emails that 
kind of ignited suspicions about the Clintons and about Hillary and crooked Hillary and all that. That idea was introduced seven years ago today, 20 minutes after the end of the Trump Tower meeting. Now, it may be that these two events are completely coincidental. We don't know that Trump, the big Trump, knew about that meeting. Junior insists that he never told him. And we have no reason to suspect otherwise, you know, based on anything on the record that I can find. Michael Cohen said that, yeah, of course, Junior told him, but we don't know. However, the fact remains that 20 minutes after the end of the meeting, Trump introduces the emails, the missing emails into the discourse. This seems significant. This is a big fucking deal. So... That's what I learned. That's, the, that's the, 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 the point out of this that really hit home for me. But, you know, we're going to talk about the whole thing. because Some of the facts were cloudy for me. You know, some of the people that were there, um, what they discussed, why they discussed it. And Cliff and I break it down <laughs> well over an hour of this. I had a lot of fun doing it. So uh, grateful to Cliff again for coming on. As I'm recording this, it's the morning of June 8th. So it's like six o'clock in the morning. The sky, uh, which has been orange and apocalyptic the last couple of days here in upstate New York, looks a little bit better right now. It's still a little cloudy, but it doesn't look as orange-hued and awful. So we'll see how today goes. It's supposed to clear up a little tiny bit. This is from the Canadian wildfires. Uh, The smoke from which came down into upstate New York two days ago um, and made us look like Southern California. You know, all the people from LA are like, yeah, 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 we know what this is about. But here... Here, this is a new thing for us, and um, Breaking Bad was trending on Twitter yesterday because so many people pointed out that the images of New York City looked like the Mexico filter that they used when filming Breaking Bad. Um, for me, I was um, I was at a park uh, where my kid was watering a garden, and I was sitting on the bench looking at my phone. And on the phone, this is this is on the seventh, I think, or the sixth. I'm looking at my phone. And everyone's talking, upstate New York is trending. I'm, I'm, you know, oh my God, the fires, the sky, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just looking at the phone. And then I look up at this, it dawns on me finally to, you know, lift my head up and look up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, don't look up. And I'm like, oh my God, the sky is crazy. You know, it's this weird patchwork of cloudy orange. And the sun is like this orange dot. It looks like we're on the surface of Mars, you know, very, very creepy, eerie, whatever adjective you want to use. Um, Perhaps it signifies something. I don't know. Other than, you know, climate change is coming and we better fucking do something about it. Besides that, maybe it signifies something. I don't know. Time will tell. Like I said, it is the early morning of June 8th. Everybody is all abuzz that certain indictments are going to be passed out today. So obviously I don't know about that yet. If it happens, um, yay. Uh, If it doesn't happen, maybe it'll happen next week. Who knows? I'm not making any predictions anymore. I will react to it if and when it does happen. If it does happen on Friday at some point today, at some point in the afternoon, as some people seem to suspect, as the Independent of the UK reported yesterday, yesterday meaning the 7th of June, uh, watch the 5-8 tonight. You know, LB and I will be on and we will be breaking this down one way or the other. We're going to be talking about it. So tune in to that five o'clock LA time, eight o'clock New York time, the five eight over on the YouTube. I thought this was going to be a really short introduction. And as usual, 
I have talked for way too long. So I'm going to stop talking now because this is a really fascinating conversation about seven years of Trump Tower meeting. We'll be right back with Cliff Schechter. I know what you're thinking about Live Golf, the new golf tour funded by the Saudi royal family. Sure, it's sweet that so many golf gods like me are getting paid insane amounts of money to play golf, but what about the moms? What about the kids? Hi, I'm Phil Mickelson, and I'm here to tell you about the latest fairway fun from MBS and Friends. Live Golf Kingdom. Live Golf Kingdom is great for the whole family. At Live Golf Kingdom, our driving ranges are world-class. Even the ladies can tee it up and take a few whacks, although the gals have to use the irons because the Saudis don't like it when women drive. At Live Golf Kingdom, we have the best mini golf courses on the planet. Navigate your ball through the dismembered Jamal Khashoggi body parts on the third hole, and you get a free Live Golf bone saw. If you hit the top of the scale model of the World Trade Center with the special 9-11 ball, the replica twin towers collapse into a pile of rubble, and you win a Live Golf Center box cutter. And get this, if you get a hole-in-one on the 18th hole, you literally strike oil. The kids love it. Between the golf, the sword dancing, and the orb fondling, Live Golf Kingdom really does have it all. So come on down to Live Golf Kingdom, or else the crown prince will have you beheaded. <laughs> Just kidding. He only does that to civil rights activists, dissident journalists, and gays. And now, back to the show. Cliff Schechter, welcome back to Prevail. Well, thank you for having me, Greg. How are you? Uh, I'm good. It was fun to talk to you last time, and I'm eager to talk to you this time because I had an idea of doing something a little different with today's podcast. Um, I looked at the old schedule, which I sometimes do, and I observed that the podcast coming out on Friday, as it always does, Friday of 2023 was going to fall on June 9th. And you know what June 9th is? So it was, I mean, it's a very special day to the Trump organization, I believe. I believe you're right. It is the seven-year anniversary of the Trump Tower meeting between uh, Junior, Manafort, Kushner, and these, you know, Russians. So I thought, you know, what I'd like to do is do a whole show just kind of about that. I, I find in, in my writing and in, I hesitate to even call it journalism, but in my my presentations to people, I like to go back and review stuff that we already know, because I feel like especially now in the age of Trump, everything moves so fucking fast. It's like a, a locomotive and it's very, very difficult to stop, take your breath, look around, find out what's happening and kind of make sense of it. So I want to produce a lot of output. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm sorry, I have to say, you know, maybe it's 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 uh, that I'm a middle aged guy now and I'm losing a little bit of brain power or maybe I never had that much. Some would argue <laughs> that um, or maybe it's uh, it, but when you put out a lot of stuff, writing, video, whatever, it's amazing how I'll come across something here and then I read it. And I'm like, wow, that 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 sounds interesting. That sounds smart even. And I'm like, that was me five or six years ago. And I have no <laughs> idea that I wrote or said it because we, you know, Trust me, I, I, if people think I'm bragging, I, I come across many things. I'm like, what idiot said that? And I'm like, oh, man, of course. Um, but like when you do so much of that, especially in this age, when when I would say a Trump as you're right, there's always something to comment on. But B, like when there's so many different platforms we're all on, you know, whether it's a tweet or a YouTube video or like, you know, a podcast or whatever it is that your thing is, 
like we say so many different things in so many places in a way that we didn't used to that I just find like I've forgotten stuff that I've said. I repeat myself. Like I wish yeah. I could just take all the old output and like reproduce it. I could probably just sit with my feet up and drink a little drink with an umbrella. But, <laughs> but you have to that that's also something I've learned is that it's okay to repeat things because people miss it. You know, people no I used to be like, Well, I tweeted that once eight months ago. I can't make the same joke. And now I'm like, I know people will have missed the joke. I will have forgotten it. Like you said, I write, I go back and there's long pieces that I do not remember writing at all right. that, you know, I don't know my brain is shot in, in that regard, which is another reason uh, to do this. I think it's important to go back and, you know, paint the picture of what, it, what was going on in 2016, what's going on now, yep. um, what we've learned in the, in the interim and, and, and kind and of go from there. tying them together too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, even up to the, something I was tweeting about today, like uh, a thread that came sort of just from the my soul on the ridiculousness of Chris Licht. And Ugh. beyond even the politics of, of what he was doing, the, just the utter fucking stupidity of another, you know, like let's try what MSNBC tried in 2008 with Alan Keyes and giving Alan Keyes and Pat Buchanan and Tucker Carlson platforms because Fox is doing it. Let's try to do it, you know, somewhat like them. And I'm sure we'll get people because it's not an overserved market with like 14 different, you know, right. video channel. I mean, it's like how many times you have to see the same movie? So I want to make my point clear here and then we can go forward, which is I wasn't trying to say repeating stuff is bad. I'm talking about how. I accidentally repeat oh, stuff. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. What I'd rather do is what we're doing here is purposely repeat stuff yes. because, because, you know, good messaging, good storytelling, you do it more than once because it stays with people as opposed to- Yeah, oh, you have to do it. A movie I, a second time before I really like get into the nitty gritty of it because I forget some of it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important. So, but before we get to that, uh, tell tell everybody a little bit about what you've been up to. You, you're one of- one of few people busier than me, I feel like, and you have all these uh, projects going on, um, and I feel like you're you're just out there, you know, doing stuff all the time. It's very inspiring, frankly. So tell everybody a little bit about what what you're doing right now, where they can find you, what they should sign up for, all of the things. We want to hear all of the things. Sometimes, trust me. Sometimes it's like the leg is in one door that I'm going in, but I haven't fully taken the other leg out of the window. I'm leaving. I don't know if inspiring is the right word. Um, <laughs> insane. And I mean, and you know, look, you seem like you're doing a ton of stuff. You do this, you've got your, your YouTube. I mean, I'll tell people the main thing I'm doing um, that's been a, a year project now, a little bit over a year is my YouTube channel because I decided I wanted to do something um, that used the video format. And I wanted to, which is something I got used to, very used to, because I used to go on all those stupid MSNBC and Fox debates 15 years ago, um, back when, you know, that's all there was, right? It was just a waste of time. Yeah. So the left says this person, on the right says that, yeah, you fight each other. Um, but I got used to being on air. And so I like the video format of it and the control that you, that one gets. So I started my channel and also like, there's so much egregious thing, so many egregious things, as you just said, you can miss a lot of them that Republicans do so far, even beyond Trump. And we can't, you know, the mainstream media is going to be like, oh, well, he said, and then she said, and chocolate's good, but vanilla's okay. And by the time you're done, nobody knows what the hell is going on. So yeah, taking too long. Uh, my YouTube channel, which is the Blue Amp channel, it's kind of my brand for everything, my company and my email list. Um, you can, uh, you please go and subscribe. We just had a video out about Trump being fucked because of being on tape. As Tricky, Tricky Dick kind of learned, that's not a good thing generally. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the Georgia thing had it too. This, it sounds like some of this stuff he said on tape pretty much undermines his entire defense. So that video just, we put out, I have a partner there. We put out videos almost pretty much every day, sometimes more than one. It's, it's at this point, you just go to youtube.com backslash C Schechter, C as in Cliff, and then S-C-H-E-C-T-E-R. I should find an easier way to tell people, like come up with something that's an easier than that so they can do it. But that's where you'll find me there. I'm still tweeting a lot, even though I fucking hate Elon yeah. Musk, but I yeah, still think awful. it's an important platform to where people are and where you need to, to reach them. So I'm at Cliff Schechter there, um, C Schechter on YouTube, Cliff Schechter there. Um, and there's other things I'm, I'm working on right now, like, but it's not gotten to the point where I'd promote them, you know, I'm, which would be related to the YouTube, Instagrams and stuff like that. What I would tell people is, but I have an email list and the email list is, is yes, we raise money. I mean, yeah, we send out fundraisers, um, you know, and raise money. But what I like, I started it on my own, which means I don't, I'm not beholden to the DNC or DCCC or one candidate or one cause. Candidates, I think, are important. Causes, I think, are important. Strategy, I think, is important. It, it, we've built into a community now that's over seven figures, which makes me really happy. I, I send out videos of mine that I think are important, substacks of yours that I think are important. You know, Thank like, you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've done yours a couple of times. Whatever I come across, you know, with newsletters a few times a week, fundraisers, petitions we want people to sign. Hopefully, there's some back and forth. People reach us, we reach them. And so, I'll, I'll share that and you can put that up too. Um, that's been growing rapidly and that's been really kind of, I've loved our model there, making it more community-like where I don't believe I know everything. I believe that there's probably a lot I don't know. So there's experts on all sorts of things that can pipe in and, and you know, and, and share their expertise. So. Yeah, no, that sounds great. And, and, and like sort of curating what's happening, I think is really important. So you know, yeah, good, good, good on that. Um, okay, so, it's time for the business at hand. So again, seven years ago, there's okay, a meeting in Trump Tower with Junior uh, and a bunch of Russian, you know, proxies basically. And before we get to the the nuts and bolts of the of the of the meeting, and I have I have stuff we can read here. I, I this is a novel format for me. We're just we're just going to kind of yeah. wing it now. So uh, cool. that's what we're going to do. But I want to. I think, like I said, it's important to go back and really look at what was going on at the time. And what was going on at the time is that there were rumors already that Trump and the Russians were a thing, that yep. there were contacts, and these things were being denied. And I'm going to read now um, some of these denials. Um, this is from my book, Dirty Rubles, which which is great for stuff like this. So, okay, um, July uh, 24th, 2016, um, this is Paul Manafort, who is then still the Trump campaign chair. Pure obfuscation. That's absurd. And, you know, there's no basis to it. This is that the one where he's like, uh, uh, it, it, um, you know, there's 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 no, yeah, where he sounds ridiculous. July 24th. A lot of places he sounds ridiculous. But I got your <laughs> Don, Donald Trump Jr. OK, so this is like six weeks after he met with Russians in the fight. In, OK, I can't think of bigger lies, he says. <laughs> But that exactly goes to show you what the DNC and what the Clinton camp will do. They will lie and do anything to win. These lies and the perpetuating of that kind of nonsense to gain some political capital is just outrageous. Um, the, the Three days later, again, July 2016, Donald Trump says, I can tell you, I think if I came up with that, they'd say, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. It's ridiculous. I mean, I have nothing to do with Russia. I don't have any jobs in Russia. I'm all over the world. 
but were not involved with Russia. I could go on. You get the point. There's denials and denials and denials. And yet they're all fucking meeting with Russians. Like all there, there's so many of these meetings, right? And then they've got the New York Times doing their stenography writing about how FBI finds no uh Right. That's know, on Halloween. Okay. That happened later, I know. I'm just yeah. just kind of making the general point that I'm sure there were that was the most blatant one, but there were earlier articles from mainstream media outlets and discussions on mainstream media, cable type, you know, Absolutely. questioning this stuff and saying, Oh, these conspiracy theories and you know, I mean because right. you know, Paul Manafort was a made man in the Beltway, right? He was an insider. Like, and, and you know, that that's in the end, which is why I brought up the Chris Lick thing earlier. Like all of these people who they cover for their own. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And he's, people in the Beltway should have known what he was. And I feel like when, you know, he was brought in, um, at least the, the, the impression that I got at the time in 2016, that when Manafort joined the campaign, it was because they anticipated there was going to be a contest, a contested uh, convention. What's the word? It's not contested. There's a, there's a. Yes, there is a word, and I can't remember. What I can't that. remember that it would have to be brokered, and he had done that before in '76. He brokered the convention and 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 handled this shit. So even though he was very young then, he had experience doing that. So it totally made sense that they would bring this guy in, and it was written about, if at all, from that kind of perspective. Well, also, oh, he was an old GOP hand who had consulted yep. on, you know, races. I mean, more recently, it, it, it had been uh, for dictators, which, again, should have raised some red flags, and maybe the dictator mm -hmm. he worked for in Ukraine should have raised some uh, red flags. But um, you're right. I mean, in the past, he was an Eminence Gras. And, you know, I mean, he was, uh, he was you know, Part of the, that the, that group of Republican consultants that could do almost any no wrong, no matter how evil, racist, you know, Lee Atwater, the late Lee Atwater, and oh, Roger God. Stone, and I mean, it, like it, they almost tried to turn their criminality and racism and evil into something charming, you know, yeah. these charming Beltway operators. Um, and so, as an, you're right, as an insider, yes, I think the broker convention was part of it. And I think part of it was they thought he could get Trump on script because. He knew how he knew what the insiders wanted in the Republican Party, but he was enough of a, you know, he was enough of a like rogue enough, I guess, for lack of a better term, that maybe he could bring those wings together. Yeah, yeah. And again, we're not told also that he knew Trump pretty well, that Tom Barrick recommended him, that Ivanka said, well, we should get Paul. And, right. you know, it was all this stuff that they called him the count. I read an article where it said that Jared and Ivanka thought about him as the count because he was so so smooth and polished which i guess if you have ostrich skin whatever jackets you could be that way um you know shame ray Liotta is no longer with us because he would play manafort <laughs> it would be polished great. version of like the mobster like manafort in a movie yeah and manafort you know what we found out in hindsight is that manafort had been basically doing the same shit he would do with the trump campaign he was beta testing it in, um in ukraine with, with right. the, the candidate there, um, who was a like Trump, a Putin stooge, yep. uh, like Trump, a crook. And Manafort's job was to um, pretty him up just enough to uh, to appeal to the masses, which he did. And uh, well, that's why yeah. I feel like, you know, so many cases, it can't just be that people didn't see it. That's why I get so tired of like when people are like, oh, the media learned nothing Not about learning. You can't learn something that you see in front of you that you don't want to learn that you know is going on and you choose not to. And I mean, you know, the, the patterns of, of what Putin was doing since around 
certainly since he came back into power and he always kind of was, but when he, they pretended and he stepped down between 2008 and 2012 before he just was like, ah, fuck it. I'm just taking over forever and I don't have to hide it anymore. You know, we, we see it, you know, articles have come more recently about bribing politicians in the EU for, for Crimea, which I'm probably mispronouncing. Um, and with nope. a plans there, like, you know, it was always about Ukraine. It was always about hurting NATO. It was always about bringing countries into their sphere of influence. And this was going on, you know, in various ways, some through warfare, some through obviously through um, cyber warfare, but like these things are going on all over the world. Yeah. You know I mean, the Wagner group is operating in parts of Africa, right? For them. And like, I mean, this, you know, the, this was not something, and we know Brexit was the was the same, basically the British version of what was going on with Trump here. And like, yep. same op, different country. Yeah, right. Like these, these yeah. it would be impossible if you have a working cerebral cortex to not <laughs> look at these and make the connections because it looks the same everywhere, and to not realize that Paul Manafort was not only up and up from what he had done before, and who, you know, but like. Again, when you when the media doesn't want to know stuff, when they when they want to tell us that Elon Musk is is uh, the next Tony Stark for years until we finally the guy finally on his Twitter account lets us know who he really is, not because the media ever told us, but because he's exposed himself. You know, there's just I mean, so yeah. many cases of this kind of, of crap. Tony Tony Stark said, "I am Iron Man," and Elon Musk said, "I am Cat Turd." That's how that's how that's how it played out. So okay, so now you've done a little bit of consulting and work for political campaigns, right? So, um, decent amount. Do do people who work in that field, um, people who manage political campaigns, um, do they usually work for free? Um, it's kind of like what they used to, you know, what was the old line about social media that it's free because you're the product? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if somebody's working for free. Uh, it is because you're the product because they got, they're getting something from you. It's somebody else. A third party is paying them for, or in this case, they're getting themselves out of debt. So if they happen to end up, I mean, you, you know, the story even better than I do. So you can go to, but they're in debt to somebody who, where they may want to avoid fifth floor hotel balconies yeah. or, you know, or drinking tea with any kind of off color to it. Um, <laughs> you know, so that was the Manafort case. Uh, yes, he it was. Lots of money, and he was paying off his debt this way. Yeah, uh, Manafort did work for uh, Oleg Deripaska, and I've I've looked into him before. Um, I've talked to a lot of people about him, and the one thing that that is sort of the through line about Deripaska is that uh, you know the the words "scary motherfucker" are usually used to describe him. So he's in debt. Manafort was to like a guy you really don't maybe want to be in debt to or oh. piss off. Yeah, you think I mean, people need to think about, you know, it's kind of like when you ask the question sometimes and there's exceptions to this rule. But most of the time when there are people who are billionaires, how they get to be that way? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. chances are they're not nice people. You know? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> in, in fact, to be a billionaire is it's almost you, you can't almost because the, it's almost mutually exclusive, you know, skill sets. Well, and I think humanity, right? Like a normal human like Bezos's ex-wife, Mackenzie. Yeah, well, you get the kind of money dumped on them and be like, I'm going to look to give away 99% of it to every good place I can, because that's what a normal human with working empathy and a solid exactly. sense of would do. Yep. Yep. If you're just gathering, something has gone wrong in evolution to me, because evolution tells us we need to gather all the resources possible to make sure that we reproduce and all that. Something has gone awry, kind of like sociopathy. 
that tells you that you must step over and destroy so others to get to that point. So, so I brought this up for a reason. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. No, but no, like, tangents are good. Otherwise, yeah. So think about a privatizing Russia, right, in the 1990s and all that. And think about what was going on when Putin was making his mark and the guys who took over as oligarchs. If you, in that atmosphere of cutthroat casino capitalism, where, where people were being murdered, where, where the mobs tied into the government and everything else, if you made it out of that, a very wealthy person, you're probably a really bad fucking person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You probably did, you know, and that. So when you describe Deripaska, I assume the other guys with the names like that are, you know, are every, you know, the way they're portrayed in, in, in movies, the way, you know, in the same way, right. The equalizer, the guy that was the, the, the mm -hmm. mob, you know, like that's the way, because you're not gonna, you, you will be killed or you will be jailed by, you know, uh, Putin for saying one bad thing or doing it. So you have to be someone who's willing to do anything he wants you to do. Kill, right. destroy. You have to be someone who's willing to 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 watch people who can't even afford electricity, you know, in the winter and food, and and find them to be mere dirt on your shoe. That's what you got to be, and that's yep. Terrapa. Uh, yeah, and I think that's also Manafort, and that's also the Trumps. I mean, we should we Correct. could extend this here, and the Kushner and everything. You know, that these people lack basic empathy, and um, this is also a tangent, but something you said made me think of it. I think that you know, in terms of evolution. What's happening now in late stage capitalism is that, and also our politics, you know, hand in glove, is that we're rewarding sociopathy. We're, we're looking at and we're saying yep. the only people capable of being these wealthy jackasses are our sociopaths. The only people that are really going to be politicians in this environment are sociopaths. Uh, let's worship the sociopath. And and then, you know, that's, that's well, you're, the you're absolutely right. There's so much, yeah. there's so much wrong now that I, you know, to get from the, through the whole thing is its own, that, that has fucked our political and our, our, our economic system, sadly, um, among others. But like, that is one big one, right? You just brought it up right there. The, the, the being famous is what matters, not how you got there. Yep. So, you know, you like, like, you might as well, I mean, to the point of where we had to like pass a law to say you couldn't profit off of murdering people, right? Because otherwise, everybody would be good. Son of Sam writes a book and everybody would go out there and buy it and wouldn't care if it made the guy rich and, you know, whatever. Like, there, there, you know, was, were, were the gatekeepers, were there problems with them? Of course, like go back 40, 50 years with, you know, the racism, uh, the sexism, the, you know, the anti Semitism, the, the homophobia. I mean, we can go through, you know, they were white guys who were the gatekeepers. And I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't a lot wrong with that time, but there wasn't a, a there was a certain ethic of about who you let, you know, who got famous and who you put on television, you know, who you platformed as the term is today. And, and there was a lot more around what we, who we wouldn't. Um, yeah. And all of that's been blown to shit. You know, like if you make yourself famous, now, oh, Andrew Tate, sure, let's have him, you know, on. Oh, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, eventually you break enough laws, maybe you'll you'll pay a price. But but again, doesn't matter how you got there. Um, and you and I, I don't know if you grew up in New York. I grew um, up in New Jersey. Okay, so close enough. I, you know, I'm sitting here in Cincinnati right now, but the hat probably tells you where I grew up. It's a you Yankee know, hat, listeners. I, yeah, oh, yeah. that's right, people are listening. Sorry, um, I grew up <laughs> in downtown Manhattan. And if you were growing up in that, in that atmosphere, you experienced almost this sort of transition in our society because you saw the Haiti, I'm going to pronounce that wrong too, but you saw the, the, the sort of the ass kissing of Donald Trump 
in, in our tabloids, in our, I mean, they treated this person like this respectable person, this jackass that all the other real estate developers who I'm sure aren't the nicest guys in the world either knew was a complete fucking jackass and didn't know what he was doing and, and had no idea how to run a business. And when they let this guy because he, he, he sold them, he, he was aggressive enough in selling them a story, they decided to buy it because he was a guy that didn't get ashamed about having his mistress you know, it, it show up on the cover or the back page of the post saying the best sex I've ever had. Like most of us, if we were married, shame, guilt, have how our wife and children might mm -hmm. feel about yep. that, how our friend, we would find that to be a shameful and, and not Donald Trump. That was a great moment for Donald Trump. And these are the types of people, sociopathy, as you're saying, narcissism, you know, these are the people the media has chosen to promote and make the heroes of the stories. Yeah. And I think part of it is part of it is the media needs to feed the maw. And part of it is also there are there aren't that many people that are like that, thankfully. But he is willing to remember he he became famous in that sense because he lied about his fortune. And I can't remember if it was Forbes or Fortune. Yes. It was one of the magazines. Well, he is Forbes. He kept calling them. I, I know that that story where he kept calling them and, and just berating them and telling them they were liars until they printed he was worth 10 billion dollars. Or whatever it was, which he was never fucking close to. And then he just took that and ran with it forever. You know, that's that was his mo. He's just gonna. No, it's the same kind of thing as the New York Post or whoever it was back then. Could have been the Daily News kind of tabloid stuff. But this was everything he did. I mean, have you seen that old thing of him on the on the fucking chicken commercial or whatever it is? I mean, the guy was. I mean, he's you know he's a clown. Yeah. But he pitched them constantly. He understood the way they worked. He understood yeah. what was happening with our media the need for clicks, your people are reading newspapers, you know, the, 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 I mean, I don't even know that he understood it as more that we talk about evolution going awry. He's a predator <laughs> in every way you can be a predator. You know, uh, he is a predator, capitalistic predator. He is a sexual predator. He is a, and so any, any, on a, on a subconscious level, if there's anything he can take advantage of, there's ethics, morality. It's like a, a, a fucking Nietzsche, you know, ism come to life. None of that matters. Yeah. None of that matters. It's, it, you know, God is dead and he killed him. He is the higher, the higher morality is Trumpism. And if it gets you, you know, for him doing the stuff he did got him attention where it should have gotten him blackballed from media. It should have gotten everybody in, in polite society to be like, this guy is a disgusting pig. It didn't. And so that reinforced the behavior and yeah. Elon Musk and a thousand other people just like them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's vile. It's gross. And it's, you know, it's all of a piece. So, okay, we're going to get now, we're going to, we're going to turn to the timeline. Before we do, this is an opportunity where we take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Cliff Schechter. Okay, we're back with Cliff Schechter. I have a, I have a, uh, an article here uh, by Jeremy Herb and Marshall Cohen from CNN that ran in July on July 31st, 2018. That's a timeline of the Trump Tower meeting. Yeah. Right, just just so we're back, we want to get into the headspace. And again, as this is happening, <laughs> try to get into a headspace of Trump meeting with Russia. I know it's very everyone hard. Everyone is everyone in Trump land is denying it. Roger Stone is doing his own thing with with the DMing the the Gucci for you know Assange is involved. There's all this shit happening. Remember Greenwald was uh, I hate him specifically, so I like to remember remind people that he and Gucci fur he was getting he was DMing there too, mm. um, you know because again 
if you look at the pattern, and we'll get right back to this, but if you look at that pattern from the EU that I brought up, yep. what they were doing to, to set the stage for their Crimea grab, um, what they were doing is they were paying off not just politicians, but journalists. Very important for people to understand that they were bribing journalists. I'm not yeah. going to make specific allegations because I don't have it in front of me, but I'm just saying something walks like a duck and talks like a duck. Use your imagination as to whether it's a duck or not. Well, you know, if, if you could afford to buy a Supreme Court justice or a senator, you can sure as shit afford a, a writer. Right. Uh, <laughs> and that's low hanging. No, seriously. Like it yeah. reminds me of of when I remember them doing the sort of broadcast back in the day of how cheap the Al-Qaeda operation, 9-11 operation was, mm -hmm. right? Box cutters and some training over there. It, this is the same thing. You've got people who've put away billions of dollars they've stolen from the state. And writers, most of the time, who's writing for a newspaper makes 50000 a year. Give them 500000 a year and it's more money than they've ever seen. It's the, you know, if they have no morals, it's the easiest purchase you can make for yep. not very much money. Yeah, yep. No, it's it's definitely a thing. So, okay. the Our story begins June 3rd, 2016. Hey, today, while we're recording, this is June 3rd. So that's that's how this flow. Okay. I was like, that that date sounds familiar. Why? Because it's, oh, it's today. It's today. Happy People are listening on the night, but the June 3rd is when it started. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there is a music publicist, a, a British music publicist named Rob Goldstone, uh, who's sort of the, 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 the clownish character in all of this mess. Okay. Um, <laughs> he is the publicist. I don't want to interrupt you, but to say the clownish character as if, this was the person around Trump and Manafort and whatever who's the most clownish. Sorry, no, I promise I, to shut up and let you read. I don't. Th th this is why you're here. Uh, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Uh, you know. Um, so uh, he emails Donald Trump Jr. saying that Russian pop star Amin Agalarov, um, remember that guy because Trump is in his video. Makes a cameo in the old video. I remember him too because I do some work around Azerbaijan and Armenia, as you know. But go yes. ahead. That's right, 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 right. Yeah, you're the expert on that on that part of the world, so we know. Yeah, um, uh, Emin Agalarov. Uh, uh, I can't say these names. Had asked him to arrange a meeting in order to quote provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia and would be very useful to your father. End quote. Um, which seems very much like meeting with Russians to get dirt on Hillary. That's what it sounds like. Uh, Goldstone says the documents came from a meeting between the Crown Prosecutor of Russia, that's in quotes, and Russian oligarch Eris Agalarov, Eamon's father, and claims they are part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump. Just in case there was any confusion about whether they thought that these people were Russians. We don't have anything cryptic at all. Yeah. And I think he's actually a Zeri. He's not even Russian, but it says Russian. And, no, he's uh, there. He is. Yeah. That, that I know, but but they are close allies of Putin's. Mm -hmm. Twenty minutes later, Trump Jr. responds. Do you remember what he says? I I I, I want to make sure because I may not get it word for word, but I think he said, "If it's what I think you say it is, I love it," or something like that. You're close. You're close. This is this is fun trivia. People playing yeah. at home will be like, "I know the exact quote." So okay, if it's what you say, I love it, especially later in the summer. That's okay. So I, I I didn't have that second sentence, and I said think instead of say, but I was close. You're close. You're close. Okay, June sixth, Goldstone and Trump Jr. trade emails. Goldstone and Jr. exchange emails to arrange a phone call between Jr. and Galarov, the pop star son, who helped arrange the meeting. Uh, blah blah blah. Let me track him down. Uh, Jr. calls uh, Amen Agalarov. Uh, 
then um, he calls a blocked number. So uh, there's like phone coordination here. Trump Jr.'s phone records. No collusion. Sorry. Go ahead. What did you say? I just yelled no collusion. Go ahead. (laughs) Trump Jr.'s phone records also show a blocked number in between the two calls to Agalarov for four minutes, as well as an 11-minute call in the evening following the second Agalarov call, according to the Judiciary Committee Democratic Report. Junior testified to the House Intelligence Committee he did not know who the number belonged to. Okay. I, I always love that stuff, too. That, <laughs> that is such a mob boss type thing. Like, you're on the phone with that person for 11 minutes. It was a wrong call. Yeah, you're I like, don't, oh, I don't wrong know. number. I don't know who it was. I mean, yeah. it was a, you know. Yeah. Democrats have speculated, and again, I'm reading this article. Democrats have speculated that the number could be Trump Jr.'s father, as committee Democrats noted in their report. Corey Lewandowski told the committee that Mr. Trump's primary residence has a blocked Phone line. Wow. Unlisted number for DJT. How about that? Okay. Um, June 7th, Trump Jr. and Goldstone confirm the meeting. It's confirmed for June 9th at 3 p.m. between Trump Jr. and Goldstone. Uh, Trump Jr. emails Goldstone after the meeting is confirmed that the attendees will likely be Paul Manafort, my brother-in-law, and me. So again, that's Paul Manafort is the chair of the campaign at this time. Prime Treason season. Kushner, I believe his official thing was running the social media and junior is junior. That's what they said is running the social media. I, I believe so. Right. I believe I'm remembering it. Uh, you know, he hadn't gotten to a point where they got elected where he could solve the opioid crisis and bring peace to the Middle East yet. Yep. Um, oh, here's something I forgot. See, this is why it's good to do this again. I'm reading from the article. No, this Trump is all secures, I forgot about a bunch of these things. So that's, I, you're going to like this. You're going to have fun. Yeah, this is good. Um, Trump previews speech on Clinton's Trump. And again, this is still on June 7th. Uh, Trump secures. This is Trump, the big the big man, secures the Republican nomination and makes remarks following the evening's primaries in which he previewed a speech against the Clintons. I'm going to give a major speech on probably Monday of next week. And we're going to be discussing all of the things that have taken place with the Clintons. I think you're going to find it very informative and very, very interesting. I don't do a good Trump. I've never, I, I don't like That's pretty good. You edit. don't have to get, as long as you get the stupid right, yeah. in his place, Trump's, you know, and then you, you got that right. That's all that matters. And then Hope Hicks later said the speech was not a reflection of knowledge about the upcoming Trump Tower meeting, but rather about, quote, an outline of the book, Clinton Cash, unquote. Well, okay. Uh, was it who co- collaborated on Clinton Cash? I can't think. Oh, the New York Times, right. Right, right. That's right. They collaborated because don't get me started on the New York Times. We'll get off topic. Yeah, they really they they fucked it. They really did. They they New York Times and and the New York Times is the number one uh the biggest MS the ma- biggest mainstream media fuck up of of this of this whole thing was that just like with Iraq. Um yeah. because the problem is, and I'll say just because people I don't know, I mean a lot of your you probably got listeners from all over the country, so I'm sure some of them know this um but people in new york and la and places like that don't tend to understand this which is when the new york times when you big city folk say something when it the the local newspapers your cincinnati inquirers and others pick it up as if as if it's the word of god and this is why i get so angry at them and i explain to people why i get so angry at them because they do not just have the influence in new york or dc it is all over the country because so many other papers take their shit verbatim yeah, so. it's all over the world too. Not, it's not well, just the country. Too. It's, you know, it's in all the swing states. Like yeah. this is what gets repeated, and so we misinform voters 
in key swing states too. Yeah, no, that's a that's an excellent point. I mean, it's 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 Trump and it's everyone's favorite detective novelist, James Comey, who who uh you know, yeah. <laughs> okay, June 8th, 2016, they adjust the meeting time. Uh, Goldstone emails Junior to ask if the meeting can be pushed back an hour to four o'clock. Junior forwarded the entire email exchange to Manafort and Kushner, adding, meeting got moved to four tomorrow at my offices. So, again, and, uh, uh, okay, let's see. Uh, now, there's this Michael Cohen claim that Trump knew about the meeting in advance. I don't think we ever had that corroborated by anybody else. I think that that's still something that we're not sure about as far as I know. Yeah, that um, was fit to him the day before, right? Cause he wasn't a, a receiver of that email. So mm -hmm. yeah, he doesn't get emails. He doesn't, but he, he claimed he didn't know about it. He didn't know about it in advance. He didn't know about it after that. That's always been the claim. So I right. think, I think that's important. Okay. Um, and Trump Jr. Said to the Senate judiciary committee that he did not discuss the meeting with his father did you inform your father about the meeting or the underlying offer prior to the meeting? No, I did not. So that's it. Okay. Now we're on the day of the meeting, which people listening to this is today, seven years ago today, uh, <laughs> June 9th. You can remember because 69. Excellent. That's how I remember. Yeah, excellent. Um, okay. Russians huddle before the meeting. So the Russian group, it's it's Natalia Veselnitskaya. Um, that's who's there. Right. Wait, I... I have it summed up more She's nicely. A lawyer. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to work my memory. She was an important lawyer connected to, to Putin, I believe. But I'll let you give people the specific description because I. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that's it. She was doing, you know, state stuff. She was always, um, you know, doing shit that that uh, you know for Putin basically and for Russia. She's right. testifying before Congress. Um, there's Natalia Veselnitskaya. Um, they're Manafort and Kushner. And then there's a Russian American businessman named Renat Akmenshin, uh, a guy named Ike Kavaladze, and a KGB approved, actually FSB approved translator, Anatoly Samochornov, uh, as well as Goldstone, um, you know, who arranged the meeting. So that that's who's there. Um, those people. Again, nobody's super close, but Veselitskaya had done a lot of like lobbying for um the sanctions and then right. the, uh, Magnitsky, which we're going to talk about too later. Okay. The day of the Trump Tower meeting, uh, Trump holds a fundraiser at the Four Seasons Hotel, not to be confused with Four Seasons Total Landscape. <laughs> That's our favorite place. I want to yeah. go there. Um, so he returns to Trump Tower three hours before the meeting with Veselnitskaya, um, and he remains there for the rest of the afternoon. So again, Trump is physically present at Trump Tower while this meeting is taking place. But we don't know if he knew about it or whatever. He, he just was having it. like one of those really good taco salads or whatever it was he was having. Do you remember when he did that on uh, which? It was, was he was fucking watching TV is what he was doing. But Was yeah. it the day of the dead? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> knowing him, he's like, hey, great taco salad for you on an important holiday for you Sanco, Sanco de Mayo, I think. That's right? what it, Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would have been funnier if it was day of the dead. But okay. Go ahead. Okay. Here's another awesome detail. Okay. Goldstone meets up with Veselnitskaya and the others before going to Trump Tower. As he arrives, Goldstone ch checks into Trump Tower on Facebook. <laughs> the genius. The genius is evident. The bubble the bumbling. Um, have you I, I was never a big let's check into a place on Facebook. Did you ever get into that? No, and and I've never understood it. I have I, you know. I still this with both Facebook and Twitter, which are the two things I don't, you know, I use Facebook as much as I used to. I use Twitter probably, but like, 
I always felt to myself like I'm telling people that I'm not home. Yeah, me too. I feel the same it way. Seems, so like even when it's vacation stuff and whatever, I tend to put it up like a week later because, yeah. you know, why? I don't want to tell people that I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. go ahead, rob my house. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, go yeah. for it. So then the meeting occurs, presumably at four o'clock. Okay. We've got Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Manafort uh, with Goldstone, Veselnitskaya, Akmenshin, uh, Kavalazzi, and the translator, Samachornov. Uh, and again, I'm reading from the CNN piece. According to participants' testimony, the meeting lasted about 20 minutes, and the promise of dirt never materialized as Veselnitskaya focused her presentation on sanctions against Russia under the Magnitsky Act, which was later portrayed as discussing adoptions. We'll get into that later because I have something to read. Oh, right. I remember the whole adoption thing because that has a through line with them. This yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that later. Um, we'll skip all this now. Trump Jr. asked, according to one of the participants, so can you show us how does this money go to Hillary? And he requested proof or paperwork that she didn't have. So, uh, you know, <laughs> they got in there. And here's what here's what Trump said. Um, this is testifying before the House Intelligence Committee later. He said, uh, again, the majority was really split up between really started off as Russian adoption, which was sort of the, you know, what I perceived to be sort of the feel good segue to probably lobbying for something as it related to that act. So, you know, I'd say we spent less than, you know, five minutes of the 20 minutes, again, speaking through a translator about the quote unquote dirt. And the rest was a quick segue, bait and switch, whatever you want to call it, to speak about Russian adoption and the Magnitsky Act. So, um, which I think is probably true. I don't think he's yeah. lying there. Yeah. Um, also, he probably wasn't, you know, he has a lot of trouble paying attention to anything going on around him. Yes, I think that's that's true. Goldstone apologizes after for the bait and switch. Um, after the meeting, the Russians go to the bar at the Trump Tower where they pay inflated prices for shitty cocktails. Veselnitskaya expressed her dissatisfaction, according to Tavolazzi's testimony. Now, at 4.40 p.m., 40 minutes after the meeting was scheduled to begin, and about 20 minutes after it ended, according to this, Trump responds to Clinton's tweet telling him to delete your account because she did this thing, delete your account. He retweeted it to do that uh, when somebody said something awful for all the all the kids listening who yeah. don't know what delete your account means because that's kind of it's like uh it was the hold my beer of uh you know which was 2019's version of that from 2016. i still find delete your account funny by the way i still oh, no, think I judiciously I used is good i like it. i just don't think people use it very much no it's it's a shame it's it should come back it, like like yeah. the word poltroon um it should come <laughs> back I, I tend to look for those old kinds of words to use in things when I can't. Seriously, like poltroon is a great one. Yes. Poltroon is a wonderful word. Yeah. Poltroon means coward, basically, like a right. real, real extreme coward. Okay. Um, I know you know, but for people listening who don't no, know. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. You like, can also make it an adjective, poltroonish. Right. Is also. Another one I like from the old sort of Scottish, uh, Irish, it's not usually more. It, it sounds like it. what you think it is. I mean, not exactly, but cockalosh. Ooh, what's is, that? terrible obnoxious rude person more related to cock as in you know cock-a-doo-doo-doo right uh, right you know was a rooster and all that but of course as we all know that all is metaphor for certain things so Mm -hmm. yep yes it is a good good sort of scots irish insult call someone a cockloche yeah delete your account um cockloche uh (laughs) so okay now again 20 minutes after this meeting ends trump tweets He retweets Clinton's delete your account and he writes, how long did it take your staff of 823 people to think that up 
And where are your 33,000 emails that you deleted? This is the first time that he has mentioned the missing emails. It's never happened before. Again, right. the Trump Tower meeting, which is, you know, there are fucking Russians in the building. Okay. They're there. Trump is there. Right. Not right. allowed. He doesn't know about it, though. And then suddenly, out of the blue sky, for no reason at all, boom. Coincidentally, purely coincidentally. The power of osmosis can be incredible for some people. I guess so. Tweets the thing about the emails. And again, the emails become the story that ultimately kill her campaign. I think without oh. the email thing, she wins. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the you know, what changed votes in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, where, where the small amount of votes she lost among those, some people who had been leaning towards her beforehand, Republicans are so good at this shit. And again, especially when they have Russians on their side, mm -hmm. you throw that stuff out there about the 33,000, you know, about the emails, and then you get the assist from James Comey. Yeah. If, if, if he keeps his mouth shut, as he should have, and wasn't scared of pro-Trump types and the, you know, calling him biased in the, the New York FBI, I still think that even with tr Trump pushing the 33,000 emails story and all that bullshit, I still think she wins. And then Comey gave it the patent of respectability of, oh, look, you know, the FBI is looking into it. And yep. then, then yeah. of course, all the media, the New York Times thought that was worthy of covering their entire front page with. Right. But well, whereas there is nothing to suggest that, you know, that there was ties between uh, Trump and Russia, despite all the ties that even I was aware of by this point. Okay. Anyway, and again, I'm a novelist. I'm not doing anything like this at that time. I'm not at all paying attention to this stuff at that again, point. And even I knew about, you know. cortex, look at where the dots were landing, the yeah. weird things that were going on with Papadopoulos and with Carter, what the fuck was his Page. name? Page, yeah, Carter Page. Yeah, and, you know, these, and like, there just were too many little coincidences that really should have been bigger coincidences. Yeah, uh, you got the, the, the Manafort thing. I think, yep. you know, the man of Manafort steps down. Well, Manafort and... had done his work where Gates had done his work, you know, Roger Stone and, and, and Assange. The Ukraine stuff came out before that. He yes, stepped down, I think, in August of, of 2016 because of the Deripaska shit came out. So and we knew all this. This was all known. But just to just to really hammer this home, if the emails, if the story of the emails, which you know, Comey amplified by doing what he did, it was yes. the email story that caused Comey to do that. If that's the story, if that's the thing that ultimately doomed HRC's campaign for president in 2016. The very first time that Trump spoke about it or, or broadcast about it was on a tweet 20 minutes after the yep. end of the Trump Tower meeting. 20 minutes. To, to emphasize that, yes. Yeah. So again, we still don't know definitively if he knew about it, if he didn't know about it, maybe coincidental, but he's in the building. Uh, I don't think that Junior is allowed to wipe his ass without asking his daddy for permission. So. Yeah. You know, it seems preposterous just based on what we know about their characters. The only thing I can think is that he didn't say anything. And then it was such a bust that he was embarrassed to say something about it. But he's yep. never said it that way. That's how I would have said it. But I don't think he ever took that tack. You know, I, I was afraid to tell my dad. I figured he'd freak out on me. I haven't heard him say that. So No, I haven't either. Two hours after the meeting, Trump Jr. places another call to a block number. So, you know, don't know who that is. Could be, I don't know, you know, it could be anybody. Uh, June 10th, 2016, Eris Agalarov sends Trump very nice painting for his birthday. Oh. Um, 
Five days after the Trump Tower meeting, there were news reports that Russians were behind the hacks of the DNC emails. Um, Goldstone sends a news article on that hacking to Eamon and Ike, according to the Democratic report, and states, top story right now seems eerily weird based on our Trump meeting last week with the Russian lawyers, etc. Gee, Rob Goldstone, it does seem weird, doesn't it? Seems very, very fishy. Totally. Um, yeah. And then uh, Trump sends him a thank you letter. And July 13th, 2017, okay, after the election, a full year later, mm -hmm. um, that's when we actually find out that this happens. Because the New York Times had it. They were going to write, again, the, the fucking New York Times does so much good work. Yeah. And then shoots themselves and in the foot with shit work, right? I would argue they do very good work on anything that avoids politics. Yeah. Once politics touches anything, it could be COVID, it could be foreign policy. Once an issue becomes political, they become the biggest fucking wimps in both sides the hell out of it. And yeah. And to me, their coverage becomes useless at that point. Yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I think that's a great way of of, of expressing it because it really is. It's just it's batshit. Uh, but they had the story. Junior famously leaked the emails before they could publish them on Twitter. And yeah. Time Magazine put Junior on the cover with the headline, Red Handed, which wonderful double meaning of that. I, I like the fucking, there, yes. That's well, really good. Um, so obviously, um, the, the police came and arrested Junior and he went to jail. Oh, right. Sorry, nothing happened. And then they, uh, yeah, they probed further and they found the Manafort... Uh, Kilminic connection and 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 Manafort immediately uh, uh, went to went to prison also and then he gave up everybody else because he knew that uh, he was going to die in prison and Donald Trump went to prison uh, and then so did Steve Bannon and then oh no 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 they're all yeah this is just <laughs> Manafort got pardoned because we didn't go any further and yeah yeah so Mueller comes in okay Mueller the Mueller report happens for a variety of reasons I think. We were lucky Can that you this now that we're talking, looking back and yeah, talking, please do. Did you think the Mueller report was gonna was going to get the goods? Because I admit I fell for it. I thought because of the guy's reputation, because who he had been, you know, at least. And again, I, I don't know what to believe anymore about anybody because so I've seen, we've seen through so many people now who the media has built up. So whether he ever really was this tough as nails guy and now is just like older and out of it and, and wimped out, or you know. Like whether whether he'd grown, let's call it weaker, or whether he always was weak, I don't know. But I believed it, and I thought we were going to get the goods. And uh, my God, what a cop out that report was. Well, you know, I think it's it's reductive in a sense to have it be presented in an either or sort of way. Because remember, Paul Manafort convicted, went to prison. Roger yeah. Stone convicted. Mike Flynn convicted. Uh, Michael Cohen convicted. Uh, who am I forgetting? George Papadopoulos, convicted. There, there's one other person, I think. Uh, did I say Roger Stone already? Roger Stone. Right. Um, yeah. So it didn't do nothing. That, that's no, but, a but significant the, number of people. But there. to your point, yeah, I think he was, he lost his fastball. I think that he was so wedded to the institution and to yep. the idea of doing it right and blah, 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 that he missed the the politics of it because there's always a politics of it. He needed to say at a press conference, yeah, the guy's fucking a crook, man. We're not going to, we, we, we can't do this because of this, but my God, the house needs to impeach him based on what we wrote. If he was a little more, even a that, tiny that's bit. My, 
that's my problem there. Is yeah. I'm not saying like it accomplished nothing in the end, but in the end, because of like, oh my God, the over sort of, well, this must be probity. We must be serious. We must, because of the way he presented it, where he wouldn't just say, yes, in my legal opinion, <laughs> he committed obstruction of justice, not just say, well, there's, there's areas here that could be taken as obstruction of justice. And some, you know, they, yeah. people may want to follow up on this as a legal, you know, if he'd come out and said, absolutely, he has the right to, to due process like everybody else. And I, we may not be able to prove that there was collusion to the letter of, of the law, um, to where he broke the law, but in the, the term collusion is it did he work with Russia? Absolutely. In this case, that case, that case, that case, he collude his people colluded with Russia. He colluded with, you know, like these things needed to be said. Yeah. And they were in the past by former independent councils, you know, because they were so easy on Clinton for the the sex act. Right. Um yeah. I'm just saying, like, you didn't have to you didn't have to sort of deprive the man of his due process without saying. He met with them. He colluded with them. It may not reach the legal definition of, of where we can try him for that. Oh, and by the way, obstruction of justice is something that to me as a as a lawyer is clear in evidence here. He should be tried for that. And, you know, the House should hold should hold impeachment hearings. If he'd said that stuff straight out yeah. and he just but what he did is by leaving that stuff open, it allowed Bill Barr to grab the thing. Right. And, and cock block it. Cock block right. it. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what allowed Bill Barr to do that, because if it had been much harsher and more firm the way it should have been, I don't think Bill Barr, you know, Bill Barr then couldn't have gotten away with characterizing it the way he did. The problem is that there was a vacuum of communication. And in that vacuum of communication, their side was allowed to say whatever the fuck it wanted for a long time. And by the time anything landed, we oh. needed a soundbite. That's all we needed was a 60 second soundbite that would be played forever. And he couldn't fucking do it. And so, Bill Barr is another guy who was, again, like Manafort, of the Beltway, of that insider culture. He'd been mm -hmm. there before and served in wealthy family in Dalton School in New York, which we, you and I know about. And, you know, and whatever, so that he was given, he's given much more deference in D.C. by media, by institutions than he ever should have been given. Kind of yeah. like Dick Cheney was for the same reasons around Iraq. Same. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's a good point. That's why, and that's why he was there. He's the cover-up general. It's always been what he does. Um, but Barr is a whole other topic. We could talk. No, about No, I his... know. I just, I just yeah. brought him up in the context. No, of I'm Mueller. glad you did. Yeah, that's yeah. why the Mueller report needed to to have more teeth, and he needed to be much more firm in the way he said things. I'm sorry, but when a man has committed treason, you don't need to be sitting there tripping over yourself to not say bad words about them. And to not sort of and to say they deserve due process and not give recommendations as to what should be done to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so here. This is now uh April 18th, 2019. So it's I think right after Mueller report comes out. This is uh oh, NBC News, Alan Smith. Okay. Uh headline Mueller declined to charge Donald Trump Jr. for meeting with Russian lawyer. Donald Trump Jr. and other Trump campaign officials involved in the June 2016 meeting with a Kremlin-linked lawyer were not charged with campaign finance violations, in part because it would be difficult to prove the participants knew their conduct was unlawful, uh, special counsel Robert Mueller's redacted report released Thursday said. Again, we've now gone back, Cliff, and looked at all this stuff. I'm pretty sure they knew what they were doing. And well, hey, I'm pretty sure they knew what they were doing, but like... Why do I need to know what I'm doing? I mean, if I break a law, I break a fucking law. 
Yeah. And I don't understand. Is it, can I say I didn't understand? I didn't know that I couldn't kill somebody. And then that, is that a way to get out of doing it? I, I just, there's different laws in different states. People get prosecuted for all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. We just passed a law here that if you're looking, you know, you have your phone in your hand while you're driving, like you can be, you can go to prison for that. I'm sure some states don't have that law. It will still be enforced against you here in Ohio, whether you know it or not. It's yeah. not, I know that that was, it's just not a, you, you know, I just, that whole thing to me was always just such deferential bullshit. Yeah. Um, that was part of my problem with, with, with that. And, and let me point out, by the way, because we are doing a timeline here. In the intervening time, yep, right. Um, Rand Paul has gone to Russia and mm-hmm. and on a and as an errand boy for Trump. We know about Ron Paul's long connections to yep. Russia for his bullshit newsletter and other stuff he sent out, some of it with Russian propaganda for years. And of course, the Oath Keeper guy that was just Stuart Rhodes. It was on Ron Paul's staff. Mm-hmm. He just got sentenced to a large sentence for his participation in January 6th. If you want to make that connection, Rand uh, had the connections to Russia and is the only one who ends up never wanting to sanction them. And, you know, John McCain called him the senator from the Kremlin, I believe, before he, he said passed. he's working for Vladimir Putin. Yeah, the senator from the on the fucking Senate Vladimir. floor, a guy mm-hmm. from his own party. But then we also have, was it the, you want to call them the Moscow Seven or whoever they were, which is the senators and one congresswoman, I believe. I call them the Fourth of July traders. I mean, on the, I mean, if you don't believe that Putin controls these people, the optics after so much had come out about what happened during the 2016 campaign, these fucking people on the 4th of July travel to Moscow. If that's not somebody sticking your nose in the dirt and saying, get the fuck over here, or I've got, or those emails we hacked, we're going to expose, uh, for, you know, the RNC emails that magically never went public the way the DNC once did. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what what else, well, you know, you, again, I, I have to say I say it's alleged because I don't have the proof right here. Well, but if you look, connect the dots, you got problems. I wrote a piece about this called Sleeper Cells in, I don't know, after it happened. Not, not right after, but months later. And I basically said, these people are like sleeper cells because now suddenly they're starting to parrot the party line, especially Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. That's all. And I'm like, he's going to just keep saying wackier shit. I say, he came back like Woody from Toy Story, where you turn his fucking uh, thing on his back and he immediately says whatever it was that Russia was saying that day. Exactly what, what happened. What I wrote is what he then did more and more and more. So not only did I write about it, I predicted that it would happen. You ask, how could it be more obvious? Well, yeah, you, I mean, you could sit there and put those dots together. I could sit there and put those dots together. You and I are not reporters. That's supposed yeah. to be their fucking job. You and right. I are not investigators. That's supposed to be their fucking job. Mm-hmm. How are yeah. they not putting it together? Yeah, I don't know. They don't want to. That's why. Okay, putting a bow on this. It is illegal for campaigns to accept help from a foreign government or from foreign nationals. And here we're going to read from the report in this article on NBC News. On the facts here, the government would unlikely be able to prove uh, beyond a reasonable doubt that the June 6th meeting participants had general knowledge that their conduct was unlawful. The investigation has not developed evidence that the participants in the meeting were familiar with the foreign contribution ban or the application of federal law to the relevant factual context. The government does not have strong evidence of surreptitious behavior or efforts at concealment at the time of the June 9th meeting, other than concealment to Trump himself, by the way. They knew to conceal it from them. Paul Manafort didn't not know. Come on. I mean, 
So Paul Manafort, who's running this campaign and has worked on campaigns for years, including international ones, you're going to tell me he doesn't know there's a ban on foreign countries giving money to our elections. Are you or fucking... helping in any material way? Right. I mean, that which would be called an in-kind contribution. Are you telling me he didn't under... I mean, that's just... just it's just... This is the stuff that pisses me off because it's just ridiculous. And if we start thinking through who the other people were who were staffers or tied to that campaign who had worked on past campaigns. I mean, I'm sorry, even a Corey Lewandowski, low-level schmuck like him, had worked on statewide campaigns before. You don't work on a campaign and sit down there and, and not sit down and look at what the rules are. It's a very yeah. basic thing you do. I've worked on campaigns. You learn these things. Yeah. This has been a long-standing rule. It's not like it just popped up. You know, like uh, the year before, in which case you could say, oh, I didn't know that one yet. I don't know, though. I don't think there's a lot of lawyers that work in this field. I think maybe it's just totally foreign. No, no. I mean, maybe not. Uh, but I'm saying. No, I'm joking. There's just so many lawyers. They don't have okay, lawyers okay. to tell them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, DC, there's a million of them. I'm sorry. I, I was too dumb to obtuse there to get the. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, what I thought you were getting at is, is there aren't that many lawyers that might know the little intricacies. Yeah, intricacies, that's true. Yeah. Say but, in English. Because there's a lot, there are a lot of those. There are smaller things. There are, you know, little things you might not know what the value is of something in, as an in-kind contribution or something like that. Yeah, I, you know, I've worked on a million campaigns. I don't know all of that stuff, right? But when it comes to the basic notion of who can give and who can't give, there's no way you've worked on a statewide campaign before or a congressional campaign and don't know that stuff. And when you look at the people staffing Trump's campaign, yeah, you could argue his idiot son didn't know. You could argue he didn't know. You could argue, you know, stuff like that. But, but and Kushner didn't know. But there are, there are, and I just, they're not all the other jackasses aren't coming to me besides Lewandowski and, and Manafort that had campaign experience that were directly on the campaign. But there are a whole number Jason, of other Jason people. Miller, Kellyanne Conway. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I used to know her actually quite well uh, and used to debate her on shows when I lived in DC would see her at things enough to say hello and all that sort of stuff. She fucking knew, okay? I'm sorry. She knew quite well. We know what her husband did. He was one of the people that went after Clinton, you know, to try to, I mean, her ex-husband, sorry. Um, so, I mean, that just gets me angry. How could they have known? Yeah, how could they, how could they possibly know? Politics would know. That's how they could know. It's also like, not that many people are running for president. So if you're one of those people, maybe you should, I don't know, familiarize yourself with what the rules yeah, are. Just throwing it out there. Right. If you don't know it, too fucking bad. At what point when you decide to run for president is the onus on you to learn the goddamn rules? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous. What, one more thing here, which I forgot. Um, in July 2017, senior White House aide Hope Hicks informed the president that the New York Times planned to publish a story about the Trump Tower meeting, Mueller wrote, and Trump became involved in the effort to craft a response. I had forgotten about this. In the days leading up to the Times story, senior aides sought to fill Trump in on just how damaging the emails between Trump Jr. and Goldstone were and scrambled to coordinate a message. Hicks warned Trump that the emails were, quote, really bad, and the story surrounding them would be massive, quote, once it broke, Mueller wrote. But Trump was insistent he did not want to talk about it, and he did not want details. Trump at first instructed her to provide no comment, which he thought was odd because he usually considered not responding to the press to be the ultimate sin. Trump asked Hicks what the meeting had been about, to which Hicks had said she was told it was about Russian adoption. Then just say that, Trump responded, according to the report. So I remember this. Trump was trying to fucking doctor the thing to get his kid out of trouble. Right. Um, I remember like that brief period of time where we had hope that Trump Jr. would be indicted and then turn on his dad. Yeah. Huh. Remember? 
remember all those stories about when he was actually a kid. If you go back and watch those interviews, Barbara Walters interviewing him about, you know, when in the about how his son hated him, you know, you know, about his relationship with his son. And did he feel bad about that? And, and you know, uh, when that election was going on, I am a Penn grad, which I which I'm still proud of, even though Elon Musk and Donald Trump went there and have destroyed <laughs> the reputation of the university that I went to. Uh, but um, there was a story of somebody who lived on Junior's Hall um, and he went public with this so it's not like some guy he put it up on his facebook page and made it public and whatever about a story about seeing donald senior show up to take pick up donald jr to take him philly's only an hour and a half from new york to take him up to new york city that night to go to a yankees game and jr came out dressed with like a yankees jersey on and, and a baseball cap like the one i happen to be wearing right now instead of wearing the suit and tie you must wear as a trump and that trump and then that trump senior wrapped him across the face and actually knocked him to the floor for just for the crime of being dressed that way and not knowing how he should be dressed to go to a baseball game. And there's other stories that have gone around like this. The point is, Trump Jr. starts going down, maybe, I mean, there's a movie to be made about Trump Jr. at some point, how he went from hating his dad to obviously Stockholm Syndrome. Um, but yeah. like, and there's abuse and there's things like that. I won't feel any sympathy for him because there's people dead and destroyed because of Trump Jr. So fuck him. Um, otherwise, I would feel sympathy for him. But like, you know, there was hope because I knew how much the kid at one point had hated his dad, that if you if you indict him, maybe he turns on his dad. But alas, it never happened. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that, too. It's it, it's sad. I mean, how dare he wear a baseball jersey to a baseball game? Asshole. I know. My God. That. How embarrassing. Um, I, I don't want to read too much of this, but about the Magnitsky Act is important because I feel like what happened at the at the meeting from Putin's standpoint, from the Russian sta standpoint, yeah. is that they wanted these people to know what their priorities were. And I think that is something that came across. So, you know, just to, to kind of like explain, and I know you know this, but people who might be listening that might not know exactly, I had um, uh, on my podcast, um, Jameson Firestone, who was Bill Browder's attorney and Magnitsky's oh, boss wow. okay. Okay, at, yep. at Firestone Duncan. Um, so just to to kind of you know talk about what, what happened, Firestone Duncan is the name of the law firm in Moscow that caters to American clients, okay? The firm is specialized helping foreign companies navigate the Russian tax code. That's basically what they did. And one of the clients was uh, the hedge fund Hermitage Capital owned mm -hmm. by you know, Bill Browder. Um, and what Bill Browder would do is he would go Investing companies. Any days when things are being privatized and and yes, Americans are looking for opportunities in cap newly capitalist Russia. Yeah, this is the mid '90s. Okay, Browder would go in there, look at a company that was big, but he knew was just run by thieves. Yes, buy massive stock in it, use his stock position to get rid of the thieves, bring in honest people, and then the stock price would go up, which is kind of like cool because it's using capitalism to help. Yeah, um, it's kind mm -hmm. of neat. Um, so what happened with Putin is he thought Putin was going to be this kind of crusader. So with Gazprom, he um, did that. You know, he got rid of the thieves and brought in Putin's people. But it turned out that Putin's people were even worse thieves. And, you know, but they were working for 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 Putin, uh, you know, so. Eat the new boss, same as the old boss. Kind exactly. Of Worse, more conniving, more, more structured, you know. So Browder realized he'd been had. He liquidates his stock in Gazprom. $2 billion. Two bi Imagine having enough stock that you, right. Okay. And that probably hurts. That, that's, a, that's not considered a good day. 
No, for... no. So Firestone Duncan, the law firm, okay, uh, they administer the sale of the stock and the payment on the sale, the tax, is $500 million. Um, the head of tax and audit at Firestone Duncan is... Bagnitsky. Correct, Sergei Bagnitsky. Okay, so that's what all this is about. It's about people stole that money. Magnitsky was like, um, I think this money is being stolen, guys. And they're like, no, you're not allowed to say that. And he goes to jail and eventually dies in prison. That's yep. in 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 um, 06. This happens in 08. Uh, he is arrested. And in November of 09, he dies. Um, Browder, Firestone, so everybody up earlier for people. But for people know um, Putin, you know, and again, when you see the stuff that Medvedev puts out there now, I mean, he's wholly owned by Putin. Yeah. Um, whether he was wholly owned by Putin between 2008 and 2012, when he, you know, when they were pretending to be a democracy, or at least a, they maybe were a semi-democracy, I, I don't know. Maybe you know that history better than me. But up through 2008, and you brought up 2006 as to when this happened, Putin was running, definitively running the country. He stepped yeah. down for four years, a one term, and then since 2012, he has been there, there you know, and they, of course, changed their constitution to you could get reelected forever and uh, didn't change their constitution to say, I can kill you if you don't vote for me. But everybody knows that. Yep. So um, so that's important to note, too, that Putin was the leader when all of this happened. Absolutely. Good. No good. Thank you for it. underscoring that. So um, Magnitsky Act pass in, passes in 2012 and it it fucks them. It, it really hurts them. It it goes after the the people, the families, the people that committed the murder, and then is expanded over time to really hit at the oligarchs, prevent them from entering the United States, and just causing them to not be able to enjoy their vast wealth in the way that they would they think they're right. entitled to. Um, so Putin is pissed off about this. So what does he do about it? He prevents Americans from adopting children from Russian or Russian orphanages. That's the only thing he can do. Um, all it does is fuck over the innocent Russian children who are being adopted. Right, because there's a lot. There's children, sadly, yeah. available there, and there's people who want to adopt them who are good humans. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, nah, we're just going to let these poor kids just die in these horrible state homes. Fuck that. Um, so in 2016, he sees his chance. He sends Natalia Veselitskaya to the U.S. to spread lies about Browder, Firestone, and Magnitsky. She hires Fusion GPS, okay, which is um, Glenn Simpson's company which yep. also later retains Christopher Steele to do that whole thing, although that's a separate thing, to dig up information. She testifies before Congress, and she's uh, in New York meeting with these guys at the meeting. Um, and then I asked Firestone on the show, you know, what happened there? And he tells me it was about the repeal of Magnitsky Act, quote, the whole subject of the meeting was Browder, Magnitsky, and Firestone are crooks. And if you kill the sanctions, right, you could have good relations with Russia, and you can start adopting kids again end quote. Um, so the implication that day was pretty clear, like whatever they got out of it, they didn't get the dirt. They did get marching orders. And the marching orders are, this is what Putin wants. Um, but it's interesting that he didn't get it. You know, he didn't get it. So either Trump didn't have the juice to do it, or I don't know why, but it didn't happen. You know, the Magnitsky Act remains on the books. It's been expanded yep. and it's it's still fucking him over now, which is great. Um, so that's that's how the sort of the adoptions business to tie, ties into all that stuff. Um, right. So there's a, there's a, the best lie is something that has a kernel of truth in it. And so this has some truth in, in what was going on with adoptions and they're not allowing us to adopt. And therefore, when you want to lie and pretend that that's all that all this is about. Well, that's one of the things we're talking about. We just also happen to be talking about the Magnitsky Act. And of course, you know, again, 
magically, and this has been discussed many times before, but you know, there's the Republican platform where suddenly where, where, where they're not supportive of Ukraine anymore. And you know, suddenly there's, you've got people on Fox News and you've got uh, Republican Donald Trump in a way that had never happened before, speaking out pro, in a pro-Russia, anti-Ukraine way. And again, like when you look at what Putin and some of the people that Putin surrounds himself with have said now for a while, I mean, they've been about getting the gang back together. Yep. And by that, I mean taking old territory that not, I mean, they go back even further than the Soviet Union. They want everything back the Russian Empire had 100 years ago. And so, yep. you know, there's, they've made all this very clear. And obviously, one of the key countries that has irked them because it was under their sphere of influence and then wasn't was Ukraine, a large country, a country that is on their border. And they obviously, a lot of the planning was around taking Ukraine and it couldn't become more obvious when Putin finally just said, fuck it, Trump lost. There's something else I can do here. I can't do this in a secretive way anymore. Let's just go with bomb and invade. Yep. Yep. No, All their options were, were off the table. I mean, you're right. And, and thanks for that, because that that does sum it up and tie it all together to what's happening right now, which is the war in Ukraine and all this stuff is related. And again, this is this is who helped Trump, this guy, this this homicidal Hitler 2.0. Yep. Um, that that's who these Republicans are enthralled to. And that's who they were meeting seven years ago today, Cliff, uh, June, June 9th, 2016, with Ju Don Jr., Jared fucking Kushner, Paul fucking Manafort, and all these Putin got Putin lackeys, and also the 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 clownish British publicist for for as comic relief, I suppose, to, yes. to, to the oh, whole thing. To, oh, you know, we're bringing this up and reminding people, I'm sure people listening, they may not have known the date. That they know of the meeting. Yep. Uh, but our hope has to be for the long term, this doesn't get lost. And this is taught, you know, as as a, a shameful and horrible day in the history of our country. Yep. And the way we teach certain things about your Benedict Arnold's and your, you know, and your uh, Calhoun's. Yeah. And, and, you know, your, uh, what was the segregationist, that awful segregationist Southerner Tillman? Mm -hmm. You know, and McCarthy and just the, some of the worst episodes in U.S. history that somehow we found a way past, you know, where we went backwards but progressed and whatever. This is this is up there with all of them. And we'll know, you know, who wins in the end, because either this stuff will be taught in school to, to kids as something as an awful period of time when we were threatened or if it's not being taught, then. Nothing good's happened. Let's put it. That <laughs> no, way. You're, you're, it's, a, it's a Hunger Games like future. Yeah, it's it's not it's not pretty. So uh, again, seven years ago today, Trump Tower meeting in the midst of insisting indignantly that there was no contact between the campaign and Russia. The campaign met with Russians with what they thought was the purpose of getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. The fact that they didn't get dirt and that dirt wasn't available is irrelevant because that's what they thought going in. So, Correct. you know. It, it's and that, what that, happened after that with the emails, as you brought up, and mm -hmm. Trump saying, I hope Russia, you'll look for the emails and, you know, all yep. that stuff that all follows. And, you know, senators going over on our 4th of July in 2018. And I'm sorry, like that all the fruit of the poisonous tree. I mean, like that all springs after that, where the Republican Party, Fox News, part of Fox News, certainly and whatever, they, these places become entities. The NRA uh, uh, was that that? prayer breakfast thing clearly yeah. the conservative union Matt Schlapp has a few few things on, in his future that probably aren't so good have all like all these right-wing groups have become basically 
subsidiaries of Putin's at this point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thanks so much for for hanging out with me and talking talking this through today. Because I wasn't sure how it was going to go. You were clearly the right the right man for the job, and I'm glad that I asked you to to, to oh, do it. Thanks for providing you. your your insight and uh, you know it, getting us through the the the, the timeline. I appreciate it. Um, no, I'm glad what, I wasn't just sort of an obnoxious kind of like you know character from mystery science theater, you know, popping off with uh, jokes here and there. That 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 I hope you really believe that that maybe I provided some value to this overall. <laughs> No, no, I think it's good because you you know things that I don't know. I think you know there's a there's a nice um, complementary um, whatever. Oh, oh, not overlap. Our our knowledge base complements each other in in, yeah. in certain ways, and I think it's 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 useful. And uh, and you and I have never talked about this before, so it was interesting to hear your thoughts. So, um, uh, Cliff Schechter, he's got the the page on YouTube, which is C Schechter, and he's on Twitter still until Elon destroys it. Uh, yes. at Cliff Schechter. Uh, Cliff, thanks again for joining me today. This was great. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, buddy. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fossa. Zarina Zabriskie, Marie Kost, and Martha Acuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John, Tally Briggs, Michelle Cantor, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hockey, Kanai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the column and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. And until next time, we shall prevail. <laughs>